Hello and welcome to the Dad Jeans Podcast. My name is Didon, and along with my co-hosts Brian and Harris, each episode we'll try to unpack, examine, and discuss the DNA of healthy fathering. While all three of us are fathers, the road to fatherhood has been different for each of us. It's our hope that those differences and the perspectives they bring will only add to the conversation. Thanks for listening. Can we be honest? No matter how great your mate is or how wonderful your relationship may be, or in my case, how incredible a communicator you are, fights happen. And when they do, are you able to work together to find resolution or is it more like World War III? On this episode of the Dad Jeans Podcast, we're going to take a look at what it means to fight fairly. But before we do, fellas, let's check in. Brian, how you been, man? Man, I've been good, man. I mean, it's still, you know, the time of the pandemic. So just trying to take one day at a time and detach from social media. I've I've found that, uh, you know, all news is just kind of built around um, the negative right now. So just really just trying to just be mindful of some stuff and just take in the, the decent weather that we have. And, and, uh, you know, next week is, is, is a big day. It was a big week, um, with, uh, Nas turning two. So, you know, just being very, very excited about that. Two years, man. How's it feel? Man, it's crazy, man. Like the time has gone by very, very fast. And, um, you know, when you talk to parents that have kids that are in their, 20s or whatnot, they always say the time goes fast. And that year, this year has been a, uh, has been, you know, it's, it's been fast, man, but it's been a great ride. And I'm just happy to, uh, to be able to say that, you know, I'm looking for another, another couple of fun years with this kid growing the way that he is. That's what's up. Harris, man, what's good with you? Hey, man. Um, a lot and nothing at the same time, it feels like. <laughs> True. Uh, I mean, you know, family-wise, uh, girls, we're, we're doing morning walks now. You okay. Know, you know, the pandemic has me working at home, so uh, we're going on morning walks, and it's been really cool. You know, I like talking to the neighbors, and, you know, of course, they're like, oh, my gosh, why does he talk to everybody? And I'm <laughs> like, one day you'll learn, or not. But <laughs> it, it's just, uh, it's good getting exercise in, you know, I talk a lot about mental health. So, you know, to give myself a fight and chance, exercise in the morning has, is, is essential, uh, you know, for mood and for energy, health and wellness. And, uh, one other thing I was gonna, I wanted to mention was, um, I tipped my barber, you know, Word. um, didn't go to the barber, just sent them, just sent them a cash app was like, Hey, I know you struggling, <laughs> you know, like with this pandemic right now, you know, people, you know, barbers just, you know, they just cutting their family. So, right. um, so it was just a cool, like we ended up talking for about, you know, 30 minutes, just kind of connecting what's been going on on his side. And um, it just felt good to kind of pay it forward. Let somebody know that, you know, I'm aware of the struggle and we all out here trying to make it, man. Man, real talk. Some barbershops might not open back up. Yeah, and that's like that's real, man. And I, and yeah. I'm sorry, but it's just it's sad, man. Like, you know, this pandemic is hitting black folks differently, and yeah. for that to be one of our staples, um, a lot of things are going to be different after the fact, man. And you know, I just pray for all of those that are not only impacted um, closely, but those that are impacted because their communities are going to look different. Man, it was it was only a little over a month ago that, you know, cats were joking on on social media about how black folks don't get it and uh, get it, meaning the coronavirus. And now, I mean, we're seeing the statistics about how it's impacting us disproportionately more uh, or greater than than other populations. Man, it's 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 sobering when when those came out and. Uh, people were kind of partying on social media and I, you know, I, I didn't want to be the Debbie Downer, but I was just kind of like, Hey, you know, especially they were talking about Africa. They were saying how, Oh, it's not there. And I was saying, well, you know, there it's probably either they're not being tested uh, or it's not being reported. And either way is bad because it also means that then they wouldn't be getting the resources that they need to combat it. 
you know? So even so then as soon as I saw this, I was like, here we go. You know, how do we get this jump? Because we were telling ourselves that, or it was being told that, you know, it's not in our communities. You know, I think it was, and it was over 50 years ago when I, I believe it was Malcolm X who said when, when white America gets a cold, black America gets pneumonia. Mm. I mean, how like eerily uh, on point is that? And uh, how sad is it that so, so much time has passed, but we're pretty much still in that same place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, man. We're, um, we're making the best we can on this end. Um, one of the things that Ella and I are doing is a gratitude journal. Um, we always did a gratitude journal at the evening, but in the morning we're doing like a five minute journal. It's a, a little deeper dive. And the way I get her to buy in is she doesn't have to write it. I can, she can record it. So uh, I have one of those kids that whenever, whenever the red light is on, she's, she's on a hundred. So, um, but yeah, just questions like, you know, what, you know, what, what are you happy about? What, um, what could you do today? That'll make your week go a little better. And, um, yeah, it's been a good exercise, you know, just trying to do those things that kind of set the tone because we really don't know how any day is going to end. Um, and that, that's always been the case, but I guess we took that for granted in ways that are that we're not able to ignore anymore. Hmm. You know, it's funny. I found my dad's old um, tape recorder right. and I, I I wanted I wanted to do something similar with my kids, but I want them to use the tape recorder. I'm like, yeah. how much is a cassette? <laughs> yeah, we're, look, and when they're old enough to play it, is there going to be anything left for them to play it on? <laughs> they're like, I promise these were great times on this item. If I could just unlock the, the whatever's inside it, that's funny, man. So, yo, as we transition to our topic, fighting fairly, I want to I want to start with a story. Um, I always take the easy way out by by posing the questions to you guys first, but I, I wanted to throw this out there. Um, so my daughter's first year, uh, her mother and I broke up and you know, I actually don't know when we broke up. I can say she moved out at the nine month mark and anybody who's ever had a, had a, a relationship in like that, it's very unclear in terms of exactly when, uh, mm-hmm. the breakup happened, but I, I, she moved out at the nine month mark. And shortly after that, she came over for clothes, right? And because, you know, our daughter, all three of us lived in, in one place. And so as, as the transition to do different places, it just makes sense for some things to go to the other place. And I was proud of myself because we, quote unquote, got along. And um, from zero to, to 100, real quick, man, we got into an argument. And um, for, for the sake of terrible memory, let's just assume that everybody was in the wrong and uh, we're at a spot where she's loud. I'm loud. I live in an apartment, so it's only one exit. And um, I'm just like, why don't you just go? And, and, and she does that thing. No, make me go. Oh. And, and so my, my weakness, that, that thing that I'm always working on is don't turn this into a battle of wills. Because, because there's this whole win win at all costs propositions, and I'm like, nope, not not doing it. Whatever, whatever. Like, I'm not taking the bait. But in, yet, and still, I still want you out. So we're going back. Make me leave. No, just go. Just go. And uh, so I'm saying this for full disclosure now because I'm proud. Um, I grab her purse, and she has a Louis bag. So. Whatever you think black women feel about their Louis bags, we're here. I take it to the window. Oh, boy. I open the window, and I stick the bag out the window, and I oh. say, this is what's going to happen next. You're going to leave. The only question is, do I drop your purse three stories, and you run down to get it before somebody else does, or do you just take it and go? You know, she's like, oh, you better not drop my purse. I was like, nope, there's no more discussion. It's only going to be one of those two things, and my hand is getting tired. And <laughs> you didn't say that. Please Dude, please I was, because now I'm in the catbird seat. I Look, I say this looking back at it, knowing that I was completely in the wrong. But at the time, I felt good because I was like, oh, 
we're at a place where this is going to be resolved soon. And so she's like, I'm leaving. Just give me my purse. Just give me my purse. You, you know, with some choice words that, you know, at this point, even if it was a mutual problem, at this point, I, I deserve whatever she called me. So she took her purse and left. And she was like, I'm telling, I'm going to tell people. I was like, listen, I don't care as long as you leave. So she left. And I, I think back. Um, one, let me say my daughter wasn't there. And even if she was, she'd have been nine months, but she wasn't there at all. Um, and I just, I'm not ashamed of my actions. What I am is concerned that I let things get that far. Hmm. You know, we like to think that we are in control, if not of the situations, we're in control of ourselves. But everything that happened that day was reactionary. She didn't leave on her terms. I didn't I didn't hold out her purse because I was um being preemptive. Like everything was reactionary. And when I think of two people trying to raise a kid, being reactionary and turning turning into contests of wills and ego is just all bad. And and so I, I wanted to open with that because when we talk about fighting fairly, I don't want to have that conversation from a space of anybody who's learned it or a person who who knows what what they're doing i i'm practicing i'm trying um yeah. like i always say uh, good decisions are a muscle and I, and i'm trying to work out those good decisions um more so that so that my anything that i do that's reactionary is not going to be my best self just by definition yeah. i i would i won't have had time to think about it I, my thoughts won't be developed. My words will be in response to something. And so for me, fighting fairly means identifying the goal, keeping that goal forefront and in, in the forefront and looking at that other person as a partner, whether, whether they can stand you or not, or whether at that point in time you want them in the room or not. At the end of the day, like we're still working to raise a kid. And um, so I just, I just wanted to jump out there and throw that out there um, as, as we have this conversation, because uh, I'm looking forward to anything that you guys share, because I'm always trying to add to my toolbox. So you just said something I think is profound, and that is this is practice, right? Like yeah, yeah, every man. day in a relationship is practice, right? Because when you think about how we came to our mates, a lot of us came to our mates perfect. So we thought, Right. And it's easy to find flaws in other people. But every day when you look in that mirror, we hide our flaws. And if, as Black men, we hide our flaws because we're conditioned to do that because it's a coping mechanism. But when you have to wake up and fight and claw and survive and love, what that becomes is a practice, right? Where you are practicing every day on just trying to be better and it's good to actually center that because you can't expect for this shit to be perfect. You just can't. And when you do, it's hard to identify what flaws are from your perspective. So especially in real time. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree. Harris, were, were you going to say something? No, no, that was, I, I mean, just, I wanted to know more. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then what happened? Well, <laughs> you know? well, I mean, listen, man. I mean, one of the things that she and I, so we're both attorneys. Maybe that's a good thing and maybe that's a bad thing. But but one of the things that works in our favor at the end of the day, sometimes later in the day than early in the day, but at the end of the day, our goals for our child are the same. Like, I want my daughter to be safe. I want her to be provided for. I want her to be loved. I want her to be nurtured no matter where she's sleeping at night. Yeah. And and I know her mother wants the same. Now, our ability to provide that, the other person's ability to provide that, you know, we're, we're human and, and ego still exists. But one of the things that I'm lucky is that my my partner, my co-parent, and I share that goal. And, and, and I happen to believe that she is capable of doing all that. Yeah. Now, there may, there may be times when there's a lot going on and I think she might have a blind spot. There are certainly times when 
when I have a lot going on and I have blind spots. That was a time when, you know, the reality of it was she's moving out. So there are potentially issues. There, there were potentially issues that weren't kid related. You know, there's feelings of rejection. There's feelings of failure on both parts. There's societal, societal um, assumptions. You know, so what does this mean? Is this kid gonna grow up without her dad? Uh, where's her mama gonna live? You know, as opposed to nah, these are just two adults who weren't able to make the adult part happen, but are still committed to making the kid part happen. I talk a lot about being an empath and arguments are extremely, extremely exhausting because I'm not just feeling what I'm feeling. I'm also feeling what she's feeling. Right. Mm. Um, when Mallory and I first started dating, I remember our first argument. I don't remember what it was about, but I remember what it felt like. And at the end of the argument, I was surprised because I was thinking, huh, I don't want you to leave. And that was pretty much when I decided that she's the one. Uh, I said, you know what? At the end of that fight, we were, we were okay. And well, I was 20, let me see, 24. So at that age where you just feel like you said, you know, you're, you're bulletproof when it comes to relationships, you write and, you know, she can get with it or whatever, whatever. And I, I remember thinking, you know what? This this could actually be something. So through the years, uh, I would love to say that, you know, yeah, that was my decision. You know, that was the the catalyst for my decisions. And it was always like that. Nah, 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 nah. We fe- we fell off that pedestal. But <laughs> what what I realized that that ended up pushing me into, I guess, when I don't fight fairly was um I'm one of those people that I try to fight both sides of the argument. You know, like, so, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like give us an example. So what I what I mean by that is so if we're if we're arguing about something, I want to get my point across, but I also want you to know that I understand your point. It's like it's like being a being in debate. Like for you to be a great debater, you have to be able to articulate your point, but you also need to be able to articulate the other person's point. Okay. I thought all people argued like that. Most people just want their point heard. So I'm expecting her to give me that back. And she like, you said I was right. I was like, no, I said you was right in comparison to what I was saying. (laughs) Yeah. So it was, so now I'm resenting the fact that I, you know, it's like, I'm helping you. I felt like I'm helping you, but you're not necessarily helping me when it comes to resolving this issue. You just want, to win. And then after a while, it's like, well, then I'll just want to win. And for me, that's where it's not fair because now I'm being inauthentic to myself. Yeah. I was going to say the truth of the matter is at the end of the day, even though, you know, when we start playing that tit for tat, those type of games, then you're being inauthentic and that's when you're being malicious. Whether or not she was willing to give me, you know, argue the way I wanted her to argue, I had to still be true to myself. And once I was able to think of it that way and approach it that way, I felt like I was able to be a a much, I was able to forgive and move on um, because I didn't have those unfair expectations of her to argue the way that I argued. Harris, you said something that I want to circle back on. You, You called yourself an empath. What does that mean? And in what role does that play? Um, like how does that factor in when you're having an argument? So when you're an empath, you're like a raw nerve and you, you feel everything. It's almost like not having any skin, but emotionally. So when, you know, if she's in a bad mood, I have to actually, um, be mindful and, and have tools to shield myself from that because now it's starting to affect me viscerally. And, you know, so it's one thing for a lot, a lot of people can know that somebody else is going through something and it's like, you know, that's happening. It's not happening to me. It's happening around me. Uh, and they're able to have that distance. I actually have to do like three more steps to get to that point because I feel it so viscerally. And so what that does is it's since it feels like an assault um, immediately, I have to be intentional about 
um, you know, fight, fight or freeze, right? You feeling bad is not an attack, but it feels like an attack because it's, 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 um, it's like uh sensory overload. So I have to separate myself. Um, I have to separate myself to, to really regain my balance and to, to be mindful and to look from the outside in and say, no, Harris, this is what's actually happening. Her stuff is her stuff. Your stuff is your stuff. And you have to be objective. All while it's going on. Right. Right. Can you imagine? <laughs> no, you I can't. About again? Exactly. Exactly. Right. You like know. you was just being wrong. Don't worry. <laughs> it's a it's a lot to process simultaneously, all at all at the same moment. Sheesh. And I just realized it took it took me being married to realize that I had been doing this my whole life. And how, you know, that's part of the reason why I'm one of those people, especially when I was younger, I have an argument or a blowout. I'm thinking it's just over, you know, like, you know, friends, I, we, I'm, I'm cool. I don't need that kind of stress in my life. It was me protecting myself because of the sensory overload. I've never been a big one for crowds. Um, it, it's just sensory overload. So all of that is to say when it comes to fighting, period. Um, I'm just really intentional about making sure my stuff is my stuff and, and, um, not attacking the experience, um, but more so engaging the dialogue. Man, I would be exhausted. I know. I was just thinking that myself too. I'm like, that's just too much to balance all in the moment. Mm -hmm. So, so B, let me, let me ask you, I was, um, I was actually online looking up how long is someone a newlywed, right? And I saw a couple of different <laughs> answers. One of them said uh, up to the first four years and the other said up to the first fight. Mm. Um, so mm. I, I, as as the resident newlywed, um, yes. are, are you still a newlywed? And and, and, and how, if, if, if at all, does that play into you guys kind of figuring out your space? And, and um, but, you know, having, having dust-ups every once in a while. You know, it's it's so interesting that you asked that question because I find the joy in the term newlywed, right? Okay. Because, you know, there's an aspect of keeping everything fresh, right? Just really trying to be in it, trying to be of it, and trying to be for it, right? And so, you know, it didn't become real until the complexities of our dust-ups uh, became more real, right? Mm-hmm. And when we began to know each other, because you truly don't know, I mean, you could be with someone for 40 years and then wake up one day and be like, who the heck is this person, right? Mm-hmm. But what I have learned from when we first started dating, because I remember that, to where we are now, there are still aspects of our dust-ups that are based in my insecurities, that are also based in my anxieties, and her patience and her grace. And we both come from professions where we care about people, right? And so when you're in a profession where you care about people, there's a level of patience, and there's also a level of listening and understanding. And she has been masterful in being there through the moments to not only share her perspective, but also to allow for me, whether it is articulate, whether it is in pieces, whether I just need some time and space for whatever I am trying to say to make sense. And so, you know, you you can talk to anyone that has been married for years and they will give you advice on making things strong in your home. But I do like, I mean, I don't like our dust-ups, but I like the outcome of them, right? And my only models of dust-ups came from my parents where, you know, where, you know, as I look back, it wasn't healthy, right? And there's a large gap between myself and my sister. And so when you grow up in a household and you're seven years, eight years from, you know, your next sibling, you don't necessarily know how to argue. And so when your models are doing it in a way that is toxic or not even doing it at all, but you know that there's some tension that's there, that then becomes your foundation. 
So when you take that into a relationship and you have someone that will sit there and say, you know what? No, we ain't doing this right now. You will talk. I will give you as much time as you need, but you will put some words to how you're feeling. You know, you have to say for the sake of this relationship, I need to put these words together because I love this person and I, and I love this relationship. So, Mm. um, you know, it's, it's still a learning curve. Like I'm still learning and trust me, I make mistakes all the time. Right. And this pandemic, I tell you when you're in a house with somebody and you have to fight, (laughs) like you have to fight. Like, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this when I knew that Pfizer was the one that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. We had a blow up in Chicago when we first started dating and I got heated. But there was this sense of me that said, you don't have to leave. Mm -hmm. The easy thing to do is to get in a car and go somewhere. The easy thing to do is to go to a bar and get a drink. The easy thing to do would be to go to your boy's house. But Something in my voice, in my mind said, nah, this is worth the fight. Just go to the other room and come back and just face it, right? Because marriage is like a heavyweight fight with two champions, right? And, you know, I hate to use that analogy because of of, of the physical abuse aspect, but I'm thinking more so of the training and the sparring that goes into it. You train to know the weakness of the other person. But when you love the other person, it's no longer a weakness, right? And you become a team. And so I said, I'm, I am I will fight for her. I will fight with her and I will fight to keep her. And once I confirmed those three things, I said, listen, there is nothing that's not worth fighting about because I love the heck out of this woman. So it's the roundabout way of saying that's that newlywed way of thinking. <laughs> well, hold on to it, brother. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting you choose you chose the words um two champions. Um because so many of us argue or fight to win. Mm-hmm. Right? And um, you know, and, and others of us, myself included from time, uh, don't ever believe that we're wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Or or tend not to admit when we're wrong. But the reality is, like, even if I'm right, as often as I think I'm right, you know, if I'm in a relationship and we're constantly getting into it and I always win, then by definition, like, this other person is always losing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and to stop to ask yourself, well, wh- how does that make this person feel, right? Yeah. Either, either one, to, to constantly lose in an argument, or to constantly be treated like, you know, a loser or whatever. You know what I mean? It's it's a very dangerous slope that you can easily go down, you know, yeah. because I actually don't want to be in a relationship with someone who I perceive to be a loser or someone who I make feel like a loser, Yeah, you know, no matter what their, their natural state is. And so it's, it's tough. So, so with that, like when you guys are, arguing um and and this for you too harris like what does a win look like you know how are you defining a a win and and sure i'm i know it there's a a multitude of things that we talk about you know maybe it's paying a bill maybe it's where we're going to eat you know there's there's a million different things but but just from a ten thousand mile up perspective like what does a win look like well from yeah, I, I think it's different based on your relationship, on your personality types. You know, they talk about languages of love. Um, for me, a win is when when it's all said and done, again, you know, with just how sensitive I feel, quote unquote. For me, a win is when it's all said and done, I can smile. And okay. there's only been a few times when, you know, when... It, well, no, the truth of the matter is we've always eventually got there. Um, we've always at some point it it broke because, you know, I love to laugh. Uh, we, we, we laugh a lot, but, you know, when we're in the heat of it, oh, you know, mad as rattlesnakes. I heard somebody say that one day. <laughs> it just stuck with me. Mad as rattlesnakes. 
But um, like we've even gotten to the point where we would decide that we need to have the argument via text because if we <laughs> if we looking at each other's facial expressions, it's going down. It's right. gonna be two arguments. It's go- <laughs> so, um, so we've actually had text arguments while we both in the house, and it worked for us uh, because you know we both want it to be better. You know, a lot of people don't like social media. Well, not social media, but you know, texting because they're like, oh, I can't get the inclinations. And but I think when you truly believe that a person has your best interest at heart, the way you'll read it, you will read it with the right spirit, even if you're angry. Um, at least, at least we do. So, you know, when it was all said and done, she and I were able to look at each other and feel heard. Um, we have this thing that we say, you know, speak, be heard and be considered at the end of the day. Everybody wants those three things. They want their opportunity to speak, uh, they want to make sure that you heard what they actually said and then for you to actually consider it. And what she has taught me, especially like, you know, my wife's an artist. She does have a different way of viewing things and being able to understand her perspective as, you know, not necessarily right or wrong, but different also helped me to actually feel like it was a win because now I'm like, oh, my life experience I just didn't even I didn't even think that that was an option. So in a lot of ways, also, if I could leave from it feeling like I'm a better person, I understand her better. I understand, um, you know, I may understand my daughters better, my mother better. uh, Then it feels like it's a win for me. You know, you you made me think of something and Brian, you, you actually piqued my, my interest. And I want to ask you guys this. Um, so Harris, you have, you have two daughters that are old enough to understand that you guys are fighting. Um, yeah. Brian Nas can, can probably feel the vibes in the room, but, yeah, but doesn't really understand it yet. Um, I read once that. Oh, he understands. A, it's, okay. I'm sorry to cut you. I'm, I just thought about this. He understands because he says, Mommy is sad. Daddy oh. is sad. And okay. he said that during moments of 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 tension. And so mm-hmm. don't don't get it twisted. I mean, two years old, 19 months or 20, 23 months, like kids get it. They really I do. Bet. Okay. Yeah, it's amazing. No, thank thank you for that um that clarification. Yeah. Um so so my question is there is a theory that it is a good thing to have this type of discourse in front of kids so that kids can see the resolution and see mommy and daddy loving each other again, as opposed mm-hmm. to what what is often um, the feeling like, okay, we get into an argument, the kid might've been here, but now let's take it in the back room mm-hmm. where like, like Harris said, you may ultimately get there, but then like Brian said, you may not see that sausage making process and you may not see how as, as a kid, okay, this is how they resolved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now with all that, there's a caveat. You never really know which arguments are going to end up um, more heated as opposed to, Oh, you know what? I, I see that. So I just wanted to know if you guys have any thoughts about um, having these conversations in front of your kids. Do you, you know, Harris said you take it to the text messages. Um, what do you think about that? So I'm a product, like I just said, of 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 being in a household where dust ups like this were never truly talked about, right? And my dad didn't engage. So what did I ultimately learn? To shut down, be quiet, and disconnect, leave. Put it in alcohol, put it in the sports, right? And so then when you go into a relationship and you want to get married and you get in your first dust up and you're thinking, I can just leave this. I'm good. Right. That's a foundation based on what you saw. Right. You are a product of your rearing. And so I would have loved to have had moments where my dad sat me down and said, you know, yeah, your mother and I, we get into arguments and we still love each other because there were times where I would see 
television shows and you know they would have that 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 come to Jesus moment where the dad or the mom sits down with the son and just says this is what families do I didn't necessarily have that right mm-hmm. and I yearned for that because how great would it have been if my dad would have sat me down and just said you know this is what happens at times and I still love the hell out of your mother and this is just going to be the foundation of what our family is based upon. We love hard and we fight hard. And so given that that was what I saw, I am working very hard to undo that. And so when Nas sees the tension, there is not a doubt in my mind that he is not interpreting everything that is taking place. But when it's my time to give him that bath or to put him down to sleep, I will sit down and talk to him and just, I mean, and just say, listen, your dad was upset today. And what I did, I would have done differently, but I'm glad you were there to see it because you know, your dad loves you and he loves your mom. Whatever he may interpret that as at that age, it will be dismantling the foundation that I was built upon so he can have a new foundation to build on. Thank you for sharing that. I think, um, yeah, it's my father, my father's um, is classic West African, like all those tropes that you see on TV about, you know, Mufasa, um, you know, and actually Mufasa talked to Simba a lot more than my dad spoke to me. Um, <laughs> that's, not, that's not funny, but. <laughs> you know, remember something. But um what was what was interesting about my dad my dad and my mom they they did there's this concept called parentalizing where when as a parent when you talk to the child about adult issues um usually like you know especially imagine complaining about one parent to the other parent a child feels the need to try to fix and the child feels like a confidant, like the child is sitting there like, yeah, you know, I, because, you know, children always think they're older than they really are or more mature than they really are. So when you complain to about the other parent, you know, either the child's trying to fix it or the child feels responsible uh, or the child, you know, it's like, no, give, give me more because now you're treating me like an adult, not realizing that that comes with its own issues. So um, there was a little bit of that, you know, with my parents growing up. So I am intentional about, um, similar to Brian, affirming the love piece, uh, letting them see us get over it. Um, when, if I was going to answer your question from earlier, one thing that I would say is that Mallory and I, we we get through our arguments pretty quick because, okay. again— you know, it's, it's hot. And then, and then we're laughing um, because it's ridiculous, right? Like the, we love each other. We are, we're each other's best friends. If we're fighting, it's, it's the thing. It's not us. You know, uh, the only thing that will, will linger is if somebody really doesn't feel like they're being heard. Um, okay. So ultimately, you know, it, it really, I will talk to my children about, you know, what happened, um, if I was wrong, I will say, you know, this is what's happened. I will never speak on Mallory's behalf. Um, uh, you know, that's kind of, that's up to her. Um, but I, I'm just careful. I don't want to parentalize, uh, especially with my oldest cause she think she a parent <laughs> like, no, no, you're a big sister. There's a difference. Right. All right. So here's the question, fellas. When was the last time you apologized for something? And, and and by apologize, I mean like sincerely apologize. Not I'm sorry if you felt, I'm sorry if you heard, or I'm sorry that you think. Like when was the last time you gave like a full, straight up apology that you? Well, I won't. I won't say that you meant because I assume that if you say it, you meant it. <laughs> or at least at least for the podcast, if you said it, you meant it. Shoot, what's today? Today is Wednesday, Monday. Right. Word. Okay. <laughs> Monday. I mean, okay. Uh, apologies is if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, okay. hey, I've never, I, I, I've never understood people who who have trouble apologizing. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a fact. If you're wrong, you're wrong. 
So allow me to introduce myself. Oh, I, I was waiting. <laughs> my, my name is Dion, and, and allegedly I've heard that I have a problem apologizing. Um, mm. You know what I think Do you it feel is, that you do? Do you feel? I don't, actually. And, and here's the thing. I don't say or do things that I tend to regret. And, not, and I don't say that to say that I make great decisions. I'm not saying I don't regret holding Tamika's purse out the window that day. Like, I don't, I don't like that I got there. I'm disappointed in myself that I allowed myself to, to get in a situation where I felt that way. But by, by doing it, it's not, to me, that's not something that I would apologize over. One, probably because I didn't drop it. Had I dropped it, I would, that, that would have been a, a step too far. Um, as it relates to apologies, I do not believe in giving fake apologies. Um, I do not believe in apologizing to appease a person. I, I do believe in I do believe in acknowledging wrong. I do believe in putting forward um, actions to address the things that you did. Right, and this actually goes to my fathering uh, because Ella will say, "Well, do you want me to do you want me to say I'm sorry?" It, it doesn't matter to me if you say you're sorry. What I want you to do is acknowledge what happened. And tell me what you're going to do to fix it. Because, you know, you see these kids that they say sorry 50 times in a minute. And then later on, it's like, well, I said, I'm sorry. Yeah, but you're still doing it. Right. So, so there's no magical property in, in an apology. And and I also, I'm not going to call you out your name. I'm not going to say things. You know how people say, oh, we were both, we said some things that we didn't mean. I would be the one to be like, nah, I meant the things I said. And we're here. So um, while I do acknowledge that I don't give apologies as freely as as people may expect me to, um, I can say I am constantly willing to put in the work to not be in situations again. Um, But if I felt like the situation was necessary for us to learn from it, it's kind of weird for me to apologize. And maybe I'm making excuses and or just talking in circles. But um yeah, I mean it it apologies don't come easy, but I tend to believe you it's sound like I you just it. don't like that word. I know. You know right? what? Well, you know what? Because <laughs> it okay. sounds like you apologize. So so <laughs> okay. okay. I'm only Fair. sorry if you want me to be sorry. Like right, right. Is, is that how you do it? <laughs> okay. I'm then I'm glad we're here, right? I don't really put a lot of stock in words. Hmm. Like, what do your actions say? Right? If if my actions are duplicating the thing that got us exactly where we were last week that we that neither one of us said we wanted to be in, then how sorry could I be? But hmm. if I have put forth a plan or a a course of action or even change my behavior to me, that does more. Now I do believe in, in drawing attention to that. Hey, listen, that, that conversation that we had yesterday, I listened to the things you say, you said, and while I may not agree, I hear your feelings and your feelings are real. And these are the things that, that I'd like to do moving forward. Um, that will come a lot easier for me than an apology. And, um, I don't know. I'll give it some thought. Maybe, maybe the words are what's problematic to me, but I've never been one. I don't want apologies. That oh, that's the other thing. And I told Harris this, and he laughed at me. I don't. Ex- <laughs> I don't accept apologies either. <laughs> like, don't. I I don't ever need an apology because I'm probably not going to accept it. I might be like it's cool or or not respond, but yeah, that's not. And and it's often turned into another argument because I didn't accept the no. apology. So so I've learned through counseling <laughs> that give people space to yeah. to reestablish themselves, to to be you know, particularly if it's a person that you're in a relationship with. Like you don't want them in a doghouse, right? Cause cause who wants to be in a doghouse? Um so give people space to rehabilitate. Um but I am a person that if you say you want to work, then I'll give you space to to work. Without, without any pretense, without oh, but you said that one time. Uh, I'm not gonna hold it over you, but yeah, you don't need to apologize to me. So, I I laugh because 
I just can see the arguments building. Um, <laughs> like, like, and, and, and feel it probably. I'm feeling the pain of your past. Bruh. And, you know, just the person sitting there like, for real, you're going to do this right this now? Dude. Yeah, this dude, right, for real? Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm literally giving, you know, because you're not even saying you know, um, how you apologize. Cause that's a lot of times what people say, you know, like I, I tell my children, never say, I'm sorry. You can say, I apologize, but never mm-hmm. say I'm sorry. Cause one time when I was a kid, I said, I was sorry. And somebody was like, yes, you are. And I was like, Ooh, I want to hurt you. Oh, wait a minute now. Right. <laughs> I ain't <laughs> I was sorry. Like, no more. <laughs> right. Boy. Yep. Turn it up. So, you know, I'm like, all right, you can say, I apologize. And, it you know the words have meaning words have power i think with me when i do apologize i like i i try i don't say things i don't mean like if i if it, if something that i don't mean squeaks out i will actually go back i be like, i apologize i ain't mean that uh, <laughs> that 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 was a lie the survey says um so when i apologize it's it's a it is a commitment you know it is a covenant that i'm making uh and i and my wife knows me enough to know that if i apologize it's because i'm going to do something different um and i and i <laughs> more than likely i went through and and gave you know like update points at the end of the argument so this is what you're right. going to do this is what i'm going to do um which probably drives her nuts but it makes me feel good um so all things considered I I feel like I I completely agree with you. Um, I just find it comedic <laughs> oh. that you that you'll keep the argument going on a technicality. Listen, it it, it it it's the reason why I'm here, bro. It's the reason why we unpacking this stuff. <laughs> um, so so I just actually thought about this while we were talking. Um, so me and my, my lady, we've been having um, challenges for for the last couple weeks. I, I think that she listen. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just yeah. <laughs> listen, we'll find out. <laughs> um, I'll I'll say it for you. I'm sorry. That, right, right, right. But that that's the thing. I actually apologized yesterday. But I want to I want to run by what I said, and y'all will tell me if it, oh, if it, if it counts. Go. Um. So the coronavirus has impacted us differently. I tend to run colder and just kind of like, okay, so this is the new reality. We need to do A, B, C, D, F, G. And she's like, nah, I need to Google everything. Mm-hmm. I need to I need to know what all these medications do. I need to understand what this president guy is talking about. I need to read everything updated every day. Um, and which, you know, which puts her in a, in a, a state of, of discomfort, um, more so than I am who kind of accept it and just, I'm just trying to figure out the best way. So yesterday she brought something to my attention that I said that made her feel bad. And it totally shocked me because it was not my intent to, to make her feel bad. I certainly... 100% 100% said what she said I said but I but that was not my intent. So what I said was hearing this surprises me because I so didn't mean that. Um I acknowledge your feelings as real. And while it wasn't my intent to put you in a place you're in, I am sorry that something I did makes you feel that way. Oof, those are a lot of words. It is. Yeah. Listen, I gotta go the long way around the mountain. <laughs> does, does that count? Did she take it? I mean, there. I mean, listen. I'm I don't sorry. Know. We'll find out next time I call. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, man. <laughs> there is power in saying I am sorry to the person that is looking for just those words, and <sighs> we all know when it's loose, right? Because one thing I've learned in our arguments is that my body language and my tone can impact any and everything that I say and or do. So even if the expression on my face is sincere when I say I'm sorry, there is something that I could do with my shoulder and that can throw everything off, right? And so I tell you, 
what you lose in saying I'm sorry is not equivalent to what you could gain in just being able to say it when it is necessary, especially if you see that you are the one that is that is causing some of this. I I just feel I don't, like opening the yeah. door to say like I do not want to be held hostage by someone else's feelings. I, I do want to not step on somebody's feelings. I do want to be aware. I do want to be sensitive. But man, I'm but I'm listening. I'm listening. Cause listen, I'm a I'm a divorced dude. Um, and I'm talking to two guys who are married. So I, so I hear you and I accept it. Is this where I apologize? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> you missed that boat. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no I, just, I, just, I just with you, man. No, no, no. I, I'm, it's, everybody's broken in their own way. Sure. We're all broken. So, you know, the question also is, um, you know, where does that come from? So the work, you, I think, I can't even remember if it was the last show I talked about anxiety. And, um, you know, there, there's certain mindfulness and, and certain work that I have to do to get to the bottom of what's triggering my anxiety. And the the journey, and we talk about tools sometimes, right? So the right. journey for me is... First, find the lie and then find the law. And um, not saying this is your scenario, but at least with me, with these moments where I'm, I'm, I'm going against even what I what I find is logical. Um, but I'm like, hey, I, I got to go back to this. The, the lie is, you know, what is triggering that feeling? Um, and then the law is what are the rules that I feel like I have to follow because I believe that lie. And, you know, this scenario sounds a little bit like that. It's, you have these laws that you're governing yourself by, um, you know, you know, this is my armchair psychiatrist um, gig going on right now. No, nah, no, nah, keep it coming. Keep it coming. Empath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there, there's, there are these rules that, you know, if you don't abide by, something you're either going to lose or something's going to be broken or something you're going to be a a slave to or a victim of that makes you fight to protect it. So I invite you to look at that. And the only reason why you didn't necessarily ask for my opinion, or maybe you did, but it it seems like you're like, there has to be a, a, a different way, not necessarily better, but at least a different way to engage this apology thing. Uh, so I humbly offer that to you. Well, and, and, and let me be the first to acknowledge that I grew up only child, single parent household. I didn't see arguments either. You know, my mom dated, my mom had a long-term boyfriend, um, decent dude, um, good dude in a lot of ways. Um, Sometimes he would drink too much. And when he drank too much, he would pass out. And my mom would just be mad. So there, even then, there wasn't this argument. And when he would apologize later, you know, it would be like, well, you're not going to stop drinking. So, like, why are, we, why are you even apologizing the next day? So I, I have no doubt that those are some of the dots that I'm connecting and, 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 and pushing forward in my own relationships. Um, so as fathers, right, and and with dad genes, we talk about trying to be better for ourselves, our families, and our communities. Um, not arguing is not going to happen, right? We're, we're going to argue. Um, right. We're going to get into fights. What are some of those personal ground rules that that you govern yourself by to make sure, while it may be a different subject matter or even with a different person, what are some of the things that you make sure that you put in place so that, that you're in a space that, that you need to be in to, to navigate when, when, when getting into those disagreements or those dust-ups, as we call them. Never go to the realm of no return. Okay. My brother got married when he was 18 years old. Uh, he, you know, fell in love with his... He, he, felt, he was in love with his high school sweetheart, got her pregnant, and they got married... 
and um, he he wanted to be an uh, NFL player. And as far as he was concerned, like many black men, um, that was going to be the ticket. You know, like his family, that was going to take the family to the next level. Um, it, it meant freedom. It meant, it, you know, all the things that that can mean to to a person. And um, one day they got into an argument and she said to him, you didn't really think you was actually going to make it to the NFL, did you? Oh. And he said that was the moment when he knew that it was over. Mm. So, and he, this was, this was, it's funny. My dad didn't talk much, but my brother did. My brother, my brother-in-law, they were the ones who stepped in and were like, Hey, these are the life lessons. And, um, that at a, I think I might've been 11. And he said, you know, never go into the realm of no return because those words you can never take back. Um, and, there have been times that I've squeaked into the realm of no return. And, you know, even though what, you know, 15 years later, my wife knows there's still certain things that I could, I still see the wound, you know, certain responses, certain looks and when the topic comes up, you know, and it doesn't matter how many times I apologize, um, that scar is still there. So my my biggest piece of advice would be just try your best to be aware of going into the realm and no return. And I would just say there was uh, an article that we uh, we looked at to prep for for our conversation today, and it was from the Huff Post. Eight things successful couples do differently during arguments, and is number eight to never forget that the ultimate goal is that you are a team. And there's a quote that I want to read, um, and, and I'll leave it at that. But it says, couples in satisfying long-term relationships are able to remember that no matter how angry you are or you may be, life will continue after today or after the fight. Because of that, you don't want to do lasting damage. In an emotional state that you are in, Hang on and understand that the long-term value of the couple is that you are to protect your future together. And I just think that that kind of says it all, right? Like the key words that I see is together in future and that you are a team and you are a couple, man. So that's how even in the midst of some of these arguments, man, and, and, it, and it's kind of hard to look at the next day because you can be at a 10 and, and, and your spouse can be at a 10. But to be able to take a breath in that moment and say, this is going to make us better and I can't live my life without this person. So, you know, whatever the nugget that you find in that is, just always know that it's a team effort. Good points. Good points. Um, There are three things that I I try to do and try to be cognizant of. Um, Check my headspace. You know, there are oftentimes where we're arguing with the wrong person. Hmm. You know, whatever happened at work happened, that person who cut you off in traffic and you bring it home to who the person who just wants to see you or the person who might have a legitimate thing that they're asking you, but your nerves are frayed from all this other stuff. Um, so one of the things I constantly have to do is check my headspace to make sure that I'm in the right space to have a conversation um, and that I'm honest about it, right? Because that's ever changing. Um, the second is I constantly ask myself, and and I, I I actually ask this during the conversation, what does a win look like here? You know, if it's you need me to shut up and listen, okay. If it's we're trying to get to resolution, but what does a win look like? I think sometimes we lose sight of where we were originally trying to go and, and get into this um, this situation where people are trying to score points, people are trying to be heard, people are trying to wound. I, I think that's where it's no longer productive. And, and I think if you're constantly asking yourself what a win looks like for the unit, not just for the individual, um, I, I think that can help navigate. And th- the third thing is to give people space 
to leave and come back. Right. Mm. I know that yeah. sometimes and one one of the things my girlfriend is very good at is saying, This isn't a good time for me to have this conversation. I'm gonna let you go. And is as hot as it made me initially, as I was sitting on the phone after she got off, I was like, She's right. There there was nothing productive that was gonna come from this space. But the the flip side of that is if you need that space, you have to be honest and come back. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if I give you space to to go and you never come back, then then that's emotionally disingenuous. Right. So um be willing to give space so somebody can bring their best self to the table or to think about the things you said and you know, be honest when you need that space to ask for it. Um, clearly I, I have a ways to go and, I, and I'm all right with that because I'm, I'm, I'm a work in progress. Um, but I really, really appreciate, uh, this conversation today, fellas. I think, I think it was a good one. Um, before we, we end one of the things that, that I look forward to is sharing those things that, that inspire us. You know, it's a lot going on and, um, you know, I, I want to take a moment to say that that our thoughts and our prayers go out to those who are who are being impacted by everything that's going on um, with this pandemic, be it um, being in physical um, despair or suffering through this, or just not being able to see loved ones. And of course, there are those who are financially impacted. Um, I think everybody is impacted in some way, and. Uh, while we're talking about other things, know that that health and well-being um, of not just ourselves and our families, but um, of, of those in our greater communities is, is forefront on all of our minds. So I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that and um, to give to give a little space for anything that you guys may have seen that was inspiring in the last week or, or a few days. Ayers? Uh, let's see. I, well, I didn't see anything, but I've been on this whole kick of uh, forgiveness. Okay. And, um, you know, there's uh, – so there, there are three people that I actually reached out over the last uh, couple of weeks that had, you know, I had bad fallings out. They they did me dirty, but um, – <laughs> Did they apologize? <laughs> My bad. Um, Listen, I ain't nothing. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a terrible person, dude. Well, here's the thing, though. I, I didn't ask. I didn't ask for an apology. There it is. All right. Um, I didn't ask for an apology. I just reached out uh, to see how they were doing. You know, in the face of this pandemic, and um, I left it at that. Uh, and yeah, you know, I didn't. I didn't even tell them. You know, oh, I have this issue with you. Da, da, da. It was just a thing about. Just seeing if they were okay. Boom, they were good. You know, I felt like I did my my uh, my due my due diligence there, and then I was able to, you know, write their name on a napkin and put it in the bonfire and be done with it. <laughs> okay, bet. So um, they say that you know being angry with somebody is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. Yeah, I've heard that. You know, so yeah, that this was me re- re- releasing myself from that. So um, I don't know if that's inspiring to people out there. I know it's hard, but um, yeah, you know, kind of a forgiveness, a uh, forgiveness tour. Yeah, I that's mean, dope. everything that's, that's going on, it it definitely helps us to remember what's most important. Mm-hmm. Expect nothing in return. Yeah, and that kind of <laughs> that's the only to... way you go make it. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Kind of leads to, like you said, uh, the things that are important. And, you know, we we led the show off with Nas turning two uh, next week. And, you know, I was inspired by, you know, all of my family is back in the Midwest. And, you know, this is extremely, you know, this, this time is hard because a lot of them would have been coming uh, up this way uh, for for his birthday. But uh, the inspiration came by way of everybody's um, excitement of utilizing technology to be a part of his birthday. Um, and so, you know, we sent out some Zoom links. And so we're going to do a Zoom uh, virtual birthday. 
And, um, you know, my, my mom downloaded Zoom and she asked <laughs> a thousand questions uh, <laughs> to, to learn how to get logged on. And I had her on her iPad and on her phone talking to me about what is a Zoom? Why is it going fast? And I just want to get into this meeting. And I'm like, mom, relax. That's funny. It is very funny. Um, yeah, but, but she's you know, committed. Hey. She is committed. She <laughs> wants to see her her her, her baby uh, turn two. So the inspiration just comes by way of... Um, you know, my, my son is is giving people hope, um, even from afar, and 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 that is inspiring. Um, and you know, and he's, um, you know, he just he, he just makes me happy. Um, just just not doing anything, just being himself. And so, um, you know, hold on to those small moments, even during these tough times. Um, and if you have access to technology. Uh, reach out to people, even if you don't feel that they would be able to to connect. Uh, but I've done virtual happy hours with my moms and my sisters and some other folks. And it's it's amazing how I have been more connected to people now uh, without being able to see them uh, than I was when I had the ability to hop in a car to go and see them. It's funny how that happens, man. Right, right. Well, early happy birthday to Nas. Um. The thing that that has really given me great feelings and great sense of of hope is brothers are reaching out, man, and checking on each other. Uh, I've had more conversations with fathers just talking about different things that their kids are going to going through um, in the last week than maybe in the six months prior. You know, I've caught up with high school friends that easily a decade, if not two, have passed. And um, just the ability to to check on each other in ways that that men typically don't, mm. you know, um, it gives me hope that you know if there's anything about this pandemic, it's taken the band aid off of a lot of different things that's been going on in society. And now that those band aids are pulled off, there can be some real healing, and and, and we can make some real steps forward. Who knows if it'll happen, but. Listen, brothers checking on brothers and talking about kids and trading stories. Um, nothing bad comes from that. So I'm inspired. Hope it continues. And uh, I'm thankful to have this opportunity to talk to you guys about it. No doubt. Much appreciated. Likewise, likewise. This has been the Dad Genes Podcast. We explore the DNA of healthy fathering. This has been our conversation on fighting fairly. If you like what you heard, please give us a review. Check us out on Instagram. If you have any questions, feel free to shoot us an email, dadjeanspodcast at gmail.com. Until then, peace. Peace. Peace.